Boy, I hope I never get sick of hearing that beautiful music, because uh, when I do, it means it's time for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast Forums Edition. I'd like to thank our guests, our hosts, blah, I'd like to thank our sponsors, we're keeping that in, uh, Running Aces, Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and of course, Website Amp. So thanks for joining us this week, Rec Poker Nation. I'm your host, Jim Reed, and you can find out all about me by going to rec.poker slash Jim. But it's not just me here tonight. I've got the best job in the world. So every week I am joined by a panel of wizards. It's a smaller panel, but it's dense with brilliance. And uh, the first one to lead us off here will be the one and only John Somsky. How are you, John? And where can the folks reach you? I am John Somsky, and I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I was the dense part of what he was talking about. Here's the brilliance. <laughs> I'm Kim Kilroy. I'm thirty uh, fifty six on Poker Stars and Pet Vet everywhere else. Well, thanks for joining uh, me tonight, you two. Um, every week, just like every week, we're playing in the uh, Rec Poker Play Money home game that John Somsky puts on. And uh, trying to steal each other's chips and win a seat in the Tournament of Champions at the end of the month. And uh, the other thing we do every week here on the podcast is we take a post from the Rec Poker Forums and we talk about it here. And premium members are welcome to come join us on the pod if you're a premium member at Rec.Poker and you'd like to, uh, and you'd like to bring one of your forum posts on the air. Uh, just show up to our taping and put it in the chat and maybe you'll get selected. Uh, but you don't need to be a premium member. Anyone can post in the Rec Poker forums for free. Just go get a free community account at rec.poker. All it takes is an email account and a smile. So this post was by my friend Troy Chapo, and it's all about limpers. And they do his head in, don't they? Uh, they do my head in, these limpers. And I never really know the right way to be playing, whether it's limping myself or over limping trying to take advantage of other limping players trying to exploit players that don't know how i'm gonna limp it's just an underdeveloped branch of the decision tree so i thought let's get john and kim in the group here and see if we can uh, get at some answers so specifically troy is talking about uh spots where he actually kind of gets he finds himself getting frustrated in some of these circumstances because you know you only get so many times to go out there and play poker and these goofballs are out there playing with these unpredictable ranges and these limps. And um, it's just not, it's not, you know, it's not the kind of poker that we want to play. And, you know, I, I, I find myself sometimes getting a little frustrated or maybe just feeling like I'm entitled to play an open raise game instead, but I'm not, and we're not. And being a good poker player is adapting to what's happening at the table in front of you. And we're not entitled to play the kind of game we want to play. We're not entitled to have the people uh, sitting at the table around us that we'd like to have there, unfortunately. And I, and I know, Troy, that's not what you're saying here because we've talked about this before. But um, that, that is uh, just one, one really good place to start uh, when we talk about that. Kim, you said something similar while we were getting started up here. And I wonder I if I could just bring you back in and... Sure. I, I said that um, I find there's a lot of limpers in live games, especially at these lower buy-in levels, and also some of the uh, lower buy-in, um, more recreational games online. There's a lot of limping as well, and I really don't think he should let it get in his head. It's just it's just there. He What he's looking for is a way to deal with it. Mm. And 
he says they get there with absolute garbage and it puts them on tilt for life. And what, what, I, what I found is helpful is to just not play hands early in tournaments without having a very, very strong, strong hand. Uh, because those players are either going to go out or they're going to amass a big stack, which they're going to subsequently give away to you later in the tournament. Uh, so I think that it's, it's, it's better to just play super tight, even though you're going to be able, you have tons of chips and you can get in for a cheap price with all kinds of hands. I don't think it's a good idea to play all kinds of hands. I, I like what, um, I really like what Jamal said in, in his response to this post, which was, if you can limp along, it's good to play hands like pairs and uh, suited, a suited aces because you can outflush someone and you can get nutted hands then and you can get a lot of chips that way. But otherwise, I think you just fold. Just treat it like they're raising because here's the other thing that I've seen these players do. They're limping with king, queen, pocket sevens, pocket eights, ace, queen offsuit. They're limping with hands that we would normally put in our raising range. So when you try to isolate them, they're always calling anyway. And then the next people are calling all on down the list. And it puts your, your good hand. So I would save your raising to be absolute premiums and just stay out of the hands at the beginning of the tournament. Or better yet, late reg until half of them are gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think um, Jamel makes a great point in here um, where he says, just think of it as extra blinds in the pot. So when you do decide to get involved, there's more for you to win. And I think that's, at its simplest, that's a great way of just thinking about this. Which Over limping is what I really mean, which is just to, if, if there were no limps in front there, do you have the kind of hand that you'd want to be open raising with? Uh, okay, now now tighten that range up a little bit because there's hands, there's dead money in the pot, there's other people that are going to be continuing with. And like Kim says, you know, proceed with that stronger range um, and just kind of take advantage of the dead money in the pot with those premium hands. And, uh, you know, limping, I always think about it as, do I have a hand that I actually want to play multi-way or not? And and I think, as Kim pointed out earlier, great, great points by Jamel here in the chat. You don't want to be in these spots. And it's a little counterintuitive. You don't want to be in these spots with like seven, six suited. You'd much rather be in the spot with like a six suited. Because when there's six people in a pot, it's much more likely that two of you are going to have a flush when the flush comes in than if it's just heads up or three way. So if you've got a hand like seven, six suited, you're more likely to have the bottom, the lower flush, and you're going to lose a big pot. If you have ace six suited, it's going to be the nut flush, and you're going to win bigger pots. Um, it's also going to be easier to play, uh, which matters in these in these multi weight spots. Um, and I think you can just throw away hands like queen jack offsuit, ten yeah. jack offsuit, all those hands you'd like to be in there with and like to see a flop, but just hold them. And don't get involved, even though it's cheap, cheap, cheap. Remember, some of these limpers will have strong hands quite often. They won't always have garbage. Yeah. And, and the more people that go multi-way, uh, you know, the less equity you actually have in the hand. So it's not like, it's not like you can just get there um, because you're going to, you know, 
quadruple up your stack. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, the other thing is, you know, people play more cautiously in multi-way too. So it's not, it's not like multi-way pods always end up with a big pot. Because uh, usually people don't, they under bluff in multi-way pods. It's usually going to be like a value hand versus a value hand. And you just don't want to be in that spot with one of those second best hands. Right. Um, yeah. You know, in the, in the free Jatin course that we took a little while ago, um, that was one point of revelation for a lot of folks. I think the idea that if you're sitting on the cutoff with seven, six of clubs and you get a few limps in front of you, the natural inclination is just to limp over top and try and see a cheap flop. But there was some very persuasive arguments in that course that that seven, six uh, suited actually plays a lot better as an isolation raise there to get heads up uh, with good board coverage. And they'd be rather uh, calling with hands like the small pocket pairs, the suited aces, um, maybe some very high suited Broadway that uh, can can be the, the best hand, not the second best hand mm-hmm. when you get into mm-hmm. those multi-way spots. Yeah, that was a really good point in that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and have, you, have, have either of you uh, found yourself in a position to, to make some of those changes or to take some of those plays what, when you've been playing since then of uh when you're facing limpers yourself yeah i i'm just trying to do what what they were saying about using it as a raising hand later in in a tournament Hmm. um as well like versus one player so that it's it's good it's a good a good raising hand versus one player but not Ah. a good calling hand because you can get over flushed with it yes right yep Yep. Uh, yep. Great example. Or early, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. So you mean um, instead of calling in position, like instead of cold calling a two bet, you mean like three betting it or uh, yes. three flop? Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. For yeah. the same reason, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I know, um, I mean, not related specifically to just limping, but in general, uh, Freed mentioned making sure that your raise sizes were big enough to get the job done Mm. and i have increased some of my raising sizes since then and it does seem to help Mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's one thing that i think we we could all be more thoughtful about because it may seem as though our limp our, our our villains who are limping it may seem as though they are inelastic to the sizing of our raises but i assure you they are not we have just not gotten courageous enough in the sizes that we've chosen so if you're playing in a game and you're saying, well, four people limp, I, I raise it 8x and they all call, um, okay, try raising it 12x. Try raising it 15x. Try raising it 20x. And like it sounds ridiculous, but I've played in games where it goes limp, limp, limp. I go 20x and I get two calls. So the, you know, the problem isn't that players are playing in this way. The problem is that we're not adapting to play against that and sizing is going to be a big part of it sizing and range construction are so important (laughs) to everything we do but in this in particular i feel like it's something where you gotta be really thoughtful about the hand strength that you're choosing is this a player where blockers matter you know is this a is this a field where i can even get heads up without shoving try shoving like, like they call it no limit for a reason. Kim, Kim, do you have some takes on sizing? Well, kind of. Back to Troy's uh, 
post if you have a hand that you do want to raise against mm. a bunch of limpers then he's got to do exactly what you said and make it really hurt to call so if there are still 100 big blinds deep he's got to make it like 20 big blinds yeah it's just got to be a significant raise and it's you know. gonna it's gonna attract some some attention because it you know people are gonna think like what the heck is this guy doing, um, and 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 you do need to kind of calibrate it too, right? Like um, when you play in the games more regularly, you'll get a sense of okay, I went up to twelve last time, I still got all these calls. Okay, I went up to fifteen or sixteen that time, I still got a bunch of calls. Um, but I I think. Money might be excessive, but if there's five or six limpers, it's not. Yeah. Right? So it depends on the situation. But I think if you're going to raise, which you should do with your premium hands, you shouldn't just limp behind, then you have to make it big. Yeah. Yep. Completely agree. And so. and the way that people are going to exploit you is by, over, you know, folding. So uh, you don't mind that. <laughs> That's actually not a bad thing for you. So we asked about strategy for 30 big blinds plus 20 to 30 big blinds and 20 and less, which he says he can just jam. And I think he can just jam 20 to 30 as well, pretty easily. Yep. Um, uh, and the 30 plus, then it should be, I think you can still jam 30, but, and even 40, they were talking about in our course. Yeah. You yeah. Can jam. Once you get above 40, 50, then I think you're looking at a big raise. And and the key is you need to have enough back after your raise that you still have a meaningful bet um, mm -hmm. remaining. So mm -hmm. if you have 30 big blinds, you can't raise it to more than 10 because you'll only have 20 back and there'll be over 20 in the pot if you get called by one person. So it actually is better to just have that as a shove. And... Um, and pick up some chips, man. Uh, you know, like it's, it's exactly, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and we got, we got a good comment here from uh, Roger saying that uh, in the nightly home game, I've noticed more limping taking place later and on the final table. Is this correct? And Stewie says there's uh, more limping early in the game. Uh, and he's noticed less at the final table. I have seen a lot in the early stages of the game. And then I've seen some, uh, when it gets very shorthanded and I know there's, there's a, there's sort of two theories on how to play the small blind heads up. Uh, some people like to just have a, an open raise only. Uh, some people like to have a, a limping range only. We do see a lot of limps heads up when the, uh, when the final table gets heads up. Uh, is this correct? Says Roger. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with limping in a vacuum as long as it's part of a developed strategy and not just something that you're doing reactively and randomly from time to time with a hand that you think might be good for it. That's probably not a good way to limp, but, but limping can be, can be done. Well, Kim, you want GTO wise limping, there's quite, there's spots for limping from the button and the small blind and that's it really very occasionally at other places. It's just better not to bring it in because it's, such a small percentage and such a minimum parts of your range where you're supposed to do it with this hand some of the time. And then, so it's better to just not for most of us to just not do it, but there is spots on the button and small blind and very much so heads up when you get below 40, there can be a lot of 
40, 30, 40 big blinds, there, there should be a lot of limping on the button. Yeah, it's all, it's all very different heads up, of course, because uh, the small blind player gets to play in position post-flop. So there's more of an incentive to limp with uh, more of your range there because you're just going to get a chance to play, play in position post-flop. So that's, that's a really good thing. And you don't um, give your opponent the opportunity to just shove over you and blow you off uh, what a lot of opening ranges would, would have there. Um, so, and I think some people, some people have also talked about open limping from early position in certain circumstances where they feel like the table is very aggressive and won't let them uh, open without having to call a big three bet a lot of the time. So they like to do it limp and then they can sort of afford to call. I'm not sure that's actually, I mean, they're not doing themselves any favors by playing pots out of position without the initiative with a non-premium hand. Um, But I see the argument for trying to keep the smart, pot small with a speculative hand. John and Kim, do you have any thoughts on that? I do. That, <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> stop laughing, John. <laughs> I think that um, that's more seen in, in when you're deep, that kind of limp. Uh, limp and be able to call a raise. And at cash games more so in, than, than a good strategy in tournaments. Mm. I think in, even in our free Jatin course, we learned we should still be opening at 20 to 30 big blinds from most positions on the table and not, not limping till we got to the button. Mm-hmm. So. All right, I we'll see if, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, I just said, I think it's more in cash games or, yeah. or in deeper stacks. Yeah. That makes sense. Right, let's see if our friend uh, Jonathan Little has anything interesting to say about limping, and then we'll come right on back. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? That's not. What do you limping. do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with ace king when you miss the flop? No, we're asking about limps. Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at pokercoaching.com slash recpoker right now. Yeah, that's right. Head on over to rec.poker slash resources. There's a couple links there to uh, pokertraining.com. Uh, Jonathan Little, great poker mind, great friend of the show. Thank you for your time. So... Limping. I still don't think I'm just not, I'm never going to be someone who open limps. I'm just not, I can see it uh, heads up from uh, approaching the small blind. Although I still, I just feel like just natural. My natural play is to be more of a, a, an open razor person. I just feel like that's more who I am in my heart. Uh, so I, I, I don't feel like I'm going to be developing an open limping range. Although academically I'm, I, I'm really interested in it. It seems like such a cool, uh, elegant part of the strategy to balance but over limping is something that everybody has to deal with and it's something that we really should put some thought into how we're going to handle other people limping so are there any general rules that we can put together that might make it easier for folks like troy who are who are getting frustrated obviously step one don't get frustrated they're usually what's happening is 
the people at the table are making a bunch of terrible poker decisions. And that's what you should be very happy about that. <laughs> so that would be one thing. Yeah. I guess just what I said earlier, that my strategy would be the best strategy is just to fold and let the limpers take each other's chips mm. until you have a hand that's really going to uh, crush all of their ranges. Yep. That's a good one. The, the only other thing is if you... You can consider limping behind with hands that play very well multi-way. So these are your pocket pairs or suited connectors that you know whether or not you're actually going to hit on the flop. And as long as it is a game where limping begets limping, because mm. you'll be in games like that where someone limps and now all of a sudden everyone limps around the table and that it's almost never squeezed then you can go ahead and take those speculation plays. If it's a table that's often squeezed, then do exactly what Kim said and just fold, get out of the way or raise. If you have the hand that you want to play it and don't get sucked into the limping game. Yep. I agree with all of that, except that I would only put in the ACE high flush draw flush cards, ACE, ACE small, ACE something suited and the pairs because if we put in suited connectors, it's too easy to get overflushed by these multiple players that could be in there with their ace deuce of hearts when we want to play our seven eight of hearts. So that would yeah. be my only caveat to that. And, and I do see some people um, also advocating for like including some suited kings in there uh, for kind of the same reason that you're going to overflush a bunch of players. I think in that case, it's even more important what John says about being at a passive table where you're not going to get squeezed because once you start calling with those hands that, you know, you can't really afford to call uh, a raise with, then you're not, you're not exploiting the limpers. You've drank the Kool-Aid and now you're just playing along. So that's the one thing I would say is don't drink the Kool-Aid and uh, you know, rarely, rarely will you make money doing the same thing that everyone at the poker table is doing you want to be making adjustments to what they're doing. You want to be doing something differently from what they're doing uh, if you want to make money. Um, and usually in games like this, it's going to be proceeding with tighter ranges, more aggressively to larger sizings. Because uh, those are going to punish the kind of errors that these, um, these players tend to make the most. All right, well, anything else... Uh, it can be really frustrating and really yeah. boring to sit there and wait and wait and not play your hands that you would normally want to play or normally want to raise with, like Jack-10 suited. Mm -hmm. If it had folded to you, you would have raised here, but there's already been two limpers, and now what do you do? So that's what I'm saying. Just watch what people are playing, and, and you'll find that they are playing hands like king-queen mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So don't limp behind with your, your Jack-10 suited just throw it in the muck and wait till we get later <laughs> in the tournament yeah and if you're playing live really pay attention to showdown okay yeah. pay attention to because in these hands where a lot of people are limping there's usually not a lot of post-flop betting either so what's happening is a bunch of people are getting to showdown and turning those cards over so then you start making notes on what are these people limping with especially if they're limping and calling raises really pay attention to that and if you're playing online um you can email me jim at rec.poker if you use poker tracker 4 
um, I can help you uh, kind of customize some of the note tracker notes there that'll help you keep track of exactly the kind of hands that players are limping with, limping and calling, limping and folding, limping and re-raising, uh, that kind of stuff as well. Uh, we got a great question from Roger in the chat here. If you're limping with ASEC suited in pairs, do you also limp with ace-ace? And I think that's the question that you need to you need to decide based on the people that you're playing against. If the people that you're playing against are capable of catching on to the fact that you're playing exploitably, then yes, you should try and balance it out a bit. But honestly, most of these games where everyone's limping and over limping and calling raises and stuff, they're not really you, 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 what you give up in strength. You don't gain in deception enough uh, to make it worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, and I want to say to Roger that you're not limping with ASEC suited in pairs. You're raising with them. You're over limping with those ah, hands. Ah, good point. Right? Great, great point. So yeah. you're not limping with those hands. Don't become one of those. Don't drink right? the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's because because uh, there is a really big difference between over limping and being the open uh, limper. Right. And uh, yeah. It, it, it does matter. And, and again, there are spots we talked about here in the small blind or maybe on the button when stacks get, get down where you could start open limping um, strategically. But for the most part, yeah, you, yeah, you got it. Roger, <laughs> Roger says message received. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I mean, listen, limping is a tough subject. We could we, we could do a whole seminar just on limping, and you know those rec poker seminars get to be three or four hours. Yeah, Kim. I have a feeling that it's going to be part of a future the future game. Me too. Me. me too. Because there has to be another part of poker that people go to. Yep. But yep. it'll be a whole thing of limp raise, limp fold, limp call, and it'll be a whole other part of the game tree. Only a matter. It seems of time. like I'm always like about two two uh waves behind so you know pe whatever people are learning now i haven't gotten to the last thing they learned i'm on the one before that <laughs> maybe maybe you're just a cycle ahead and we haven't caught up to the retro version of what you're learning no i'm trying john i'm trying so hard it's just not yeah. working no nope, i think you're right <laughs> but but uh, there is like there is a cycle to this i remember 10 years ago um, limping was just this thing that only idiots did. And it was clear that you were never a thoughtful player if you limped. And I remember thinking at the time, like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I remember Nate Mavis on the Thinking Folker podcast saying, you know, like, it's very difficult to balance limping ranges effectively. And I remember thinking, like, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way to say it. It's not, the, like, the problem is it's difficult to do it effectively. But I, it's definitely an effective strategy. And listen, if you want to go to the trouble of figuring out a balanced limping range that can limp and call and limp and fold and limp and re-raise with a balanced, unpredictable way to do it, I mean, you're going to have a lot of fun. Like, that's the kind of nerdy academic project that I would have a lot of fun doing. But at the end of the day, you're just better off. It's just, just have an open raising range and just don't worry about those weird spots like that, that, that you don't make enough on them to make it worth your time and effort uh, drilling down into it. And you're still, you're still going to be exploited. If you want to study limping, study it in heads up poker. Mm. That's all I would have to say. Yep. Yep. I like it. Well, on that note, 
I would like to thank uh, Chapo for writing that awesome uh, uh, post and Jamel for putting some really good thoughts into the forums there. Uh, Roger and Stewie, thanks for joining us tonight. And John and Kim, thanks for being on the panel. We'll see all y'all again sometime soon. Bye.